Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. An interesting market today, kind of a, on the quieter side. Not a lot of action, a lot, a lot, not a lot of news taking place. We did see lower corn. It was higher in those beans, lower on the wheat. To flip the page to the livestock side, cattle both live and feeders saw some good positive trade numbers. All the hogs had some negativity going on. We're going to dive into what's happening in this trade today as Brian Split joins us. He is with agmarket.net. So kind of let's recap. You and I were talking before this program started, and you were talking a little bit about recapping of the rally that we saw, especially in this corn. Kind of give us your thoughts as to what you saw. Yeah, and so, Susan, I think you and I have talked over the months about 2013 and 2023 and similarities and you know, um, what I can say is we're still actually trading an awful lot like 2013, albeit more volatile. Um, for example, you know, we, uh, we made highs in June at, at about the same time. Uh, our June highs this year were higher than in 2013 by about 50 cents. But incredibly, by the time you get to um, the day or two after 4th of July, uh, corn in 2013 and this year were making lows at almost the same spot. They were about a nickel apart, uh, you know, on July 5th. Uh, so then you get this July rally, which again we had in 2013, but the one we had this year was about 40 cents higher than, uh, than in 2013. Uh, yet here we are, um, the uh, break in corn is, is taking us, uh, almost, uh, back in line with where we were 2013. And, and so, you know, maybe one clue would be that they may continue to pressure corn into and, and on the, uh, the August WASDE report, which is going to be a week from Friday, so that's the 11th. Um, that 480 area is going to be uh, a pretty important spot relative to this year's values. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to run some stops below that prior to the report and then maybe turn it higher afterwards uh, into a little bit of a late month uh, bounce again. Um, but uh, you think back to the, the rally that we just had, and the strength of that, it, it really got moving very quickly, uh, and I think it was kind of exacerbated by, you know, the, the reason was the weather. The weather forecast was, uh, you know, hot, dry for a lot of areas. It wasn't a, in a very long period of time, but it was in the models. Um, but I think what, what really exacerbated the scope of that rally was you had the August options expiring. And so, you know, you maybe had sold calls out there that had a delta of zero, meaning they were out of the money and people thought, you know, early in the week that they were going to expire worthless. And all of a sudden, this the size of the rally, the delta on those changed from zero to 0 0.1, 0 0.3, 0 0.5, 0.6. Uh, and so if you're a fund that has a thousand of these options sold, uh, the, you have to start buying futures to keep up with the change in the delta of those sold calls. So I think that rally just really fed on itself, and that, that would be what you would call a gamma squeeze. So gamma is the change in the rate, uh, or it, it's the change in the, the change in the delta, the rate of change of the delta, uh, and the delta is the percentage of the uh, futures movement that the option is taking part in. So if you have an option that's a 0.1 delta. Uh, that means it's taking part in 10% of the futures movement. So you had a lot of these 0.1 deltaed options that all of a sudden were taking part in 50 to 60% of the futures movement. Um, so, it, again, it was just one of those rallies that really fed on itself very quickly. So 
where did we go? We went to the 200-day moving average on that high. It was a 62% retracement of the whole break from the June high to the July low. We went and tested the downtrend from the contract highs made last year to the fall highs made in October. And we also got back up into that zone from the March quarterly stock report, which was the quarterly stocks and planting intentions. Um, so you had about four different major key technical levels that we tested on that, that July rally and failed. Uh, and now we're pulling back from that uh, rather aggressively. So you've got old crop that has not been sold yet is very quickly going to become treated like new crop. Um, so if a producer has that in their bins right now, uh, there's going to be you know a shakeout period where it's got to get sold before the new crop uh, is, is online and, and that goes in the bins. Um, and, and so I, I think you're going to see uh, a little, you know, another round of some short-term weakness until we get to that next uh, set of data uh, on August 11th. So looking at that August 11th, what are some things that you're kind of looking for in this report coming up? Well, I think everybody uh, is going to really be first looking at what the USDA does for yield adjustments. Um, USDA made the yield adjustment in corn in July. Um, a lot of times they will wait until August, but we had some reasons this year why they should uh, lower yield in July. Uh, most of the time they're going to do a July adjustment because of uh, severely delayed planting. Uh, this year we just had uh, so much dry uh, you know, conditions and the, and the moisture deficits uh, across the board and, and a lot of areas were really of a concern. So um, with that early adjustment lower, I think the trade is going to be looking for another yield adjustment in corn. Um, the question is, will it really be enough to matter? I think the trade has already uh, talked about and priced in something lower. Uh, I think you know, the low end uh, of what's been priced in is maybe 172, the upper end maybe 175. Uh, so I don't know if a number in that range is really going to be um, news per se, uh, where we've already kind of dealt with that type of thought process in the market. Uh, I think it's much more meaningful if the USDA makes a yield adjustment in beans. The balance sheet just is different. Um, you know, because we picked up those extra acres in corn on the June report, uh, and because the USDA is using currently 805 million bushels of more demand year over year, with about 400 million of that in the in the feed residual category, uh, which again the animal units that we have out there would not suggest we're going to use an additional 400 million bushels of of corn. And I know that that category is kind of a slush category too because it, it has the word residual. Uh, but I, I I just think this this corn balance sheet has a lot more room to give where if we start to see USDA drop yield further, the demand can be used to offset that. Time. When we come back, we're going to talk more about what's happening on the bean balance sheet as well. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Here's an update on what's going on at Fontenelle Hybrids. We're combining with the Channel brand and the other nine regional brands to create a new enhanced Channel Seed brand. And we're excited to announce your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer will be carrying select Channel products this fall for the 2024 growing season. That's an expanded product portfolio with the same great service. Contact your local Fontenelle dealer for details. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing our conversation this afternoon with Brian Split. Of course, Brian is with agmarket.net. We were talking about balance sheets before we had to head out to break. And we're talking about the corn. Look at the soybean side of it now. Obviously, differences. 
Yeah, Susan, I was just uh, spilling my guts there and, and <laughs> rambling. But, uh, you know, going into the beans, it's just one of those things where um, right now the major uh, thing that we're lacking is export demand. We've seen China come in recently with a few sprinkles of a, a few boatloads here and there. Um, the, the volumes are not exciting, but at least the frequency is picking up, so that's a good sign. Uh, but it's just a much different balance sheet. Uh, and again, we talked about corn getting acres and, and, and then all that extra demand that's in the balance sheet. Soybeans lost acres, and so um, it, it just really puts the onus on, on getting a, a good the balance sheet intact. Um, Plus, you think about you know what we saw out of the crop in Brazil. Uh, it was a very big crop, and it's allowed the Chinese to go a little bit longer into the marketing year without having to buy U.S. soybeans. But that's going to reach a point where, uh, especially because of the the lineup that they have leaving Brazil, where it's tough to fit new business uh, uh, out of Brazil right now. So any quick quick ship uh, demand is going to come from the U.S. and uh, it just seems anecdotally when I think back over the years, a lot of times mid to late August, you really start to see the Chinese get more and more active. Um, there was some concerning economic data out of China, uh, but they're talking about stimulus that, that could help spur things and spur additional demand for, for real-world commodities. Um, and so, you know, then it's kind of the chicken and the egg, all right? So do you start looking at that bad economic data out of China, China which has already happened, uh, or is that bad data going to bring in further stimulus, which then gets the wheels turning again. Um, So I'm a little bit optimistic here moving forward because of how poor our pace is on bean sales that will start to improve. And you probably will see the bean sales improve before you see corn sales improve uh, because, again, the big Safrina corn crop in Brazil will allow the Chinese or any other world buyers, for that matter, to continue to buy Brazilian product first before they come to the U.S. So I think you're going to see the, the, uh, the bean export program ramp up before we get the corn program to ramp up. I know a lot of folks anxious to start seeing those export numbers start to tick up. Dollar-wise, can we compete at this point? Are we going to have to really wait till our, we're in full part, uh, full part of the uh, Good Lord, I can't even talk. Full part of the harvest to see those numbers pick up. Well, I, I think over the next couple months, the market, especially for corn, is going to trade the full weight of the size of the crop. It's going to be difficult. Um, there will be a period that those lower values of corn is going to go lower, maybe, uh, you know, 50 to 60 cents lower uh, for the next major wave. I, I think 450 is, is a, a very distinct possibility as we get into early fall. Uh, but I think it, those are the, the things that need to happen in order for that demand to start to percolate and bubble up and, and be spurred. Uh, I, I think you're probably going to see the bean demand pick up before that. I don't think we need to go as low in, in the bean market as we do in corn to get demand to be generated, especially if if uh, the weather forecast starts to change a little bit. As of right now, it doesn't look very threatening for the the, the greater part of the uh, you know the the first half of August. Uh, but that's the thing with these weather models is you don't know. You one morning and and the back end of that model starts to put hot and dry in and then before you know it that hot and dry is in the six to ten day and they really start to take note i'm not saying that's going to happen but we are right now in the critical period for soybeans where they just sold it off on what looks like a non-threatening forecast if that starts to change they're going to run it right back up again so i think beans are going to be the product here over the next three four weeks it has the the most amount of volatility uh and and probably the most opportunity in, in both directions to see some major moves all right, let's switch gears a little bit here. Look at the livestock side. Some good box beef numbers seen for a Tuesday. 
Yeah, so yesterday was really quiet. You know, we had the corn market down hard, um, and it, you, you looked at feeder cattle, and you're like, is this thing on? Uh, because typically when you see the market make moves like corn did yesterday, the feeders would just be a lot stronger than they were. Um, and so then uh, you look at the box beef yesterday, and there really wasn't much to talk about. Uh, I think Choice was down 22 cents. Select was up 20, or was up 19. So very, very minimal moves. And then this morning you get Choice up 628 and Select up 202. And uh, the market really took notice of that. Uh, you know, October fat cattle were, were up 230. Uh, August feeders were up 287. Um, you know, both of those were relatively close to their, their highs for the session. Um, so I, I think uh, now the market needs to get a little news on the cash side of things. It's been pretty slow on the cash market news. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, where we get some business done and at what values, because we do have uh, futures trading below cash, uh, even with today's rally. Sounds good. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Brian? Uh, easiest way is to call me, uh, 815-665-0463. That's my direct line. You can reach anybody at agmarket.net at 844-4-AG-MARKET, so 424-6758. Uh, if you want, you can get a couple weeks of our free intel. Uh, go to our website, www.agmarket.net. All right. Thanks so much, Brian. Splits joining us today. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. That's a Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.